Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Dwayne Osterlund, and I'm your host, and we are on to another episode. Today, my guest is Carolyn Beidler. She is going to share a little bit of her story and talk specifically about building resiliency and recovery and the importance of resiliency, especially when it relates to overcoming trauma. She shares a little bit of her own journey with that and how she discovered that process in her own life and shares a few things that you can do in your life immediately to help build resilience. Before we start, if you are enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please leave a review or share the podcast with a friend and think about joining our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast and click join. All right, everyone, let's go ahead and start this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My guest today is Caroline Beidler, and we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics as we get into your story as well, resiliency, and especially resiliency in recovery. So Caroline, you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and how all this story unfolds. Well, thank you so much for welcoming me to your podcast. I love what you do. So I'm really just thrilled to be here. And well, you know, you. I'd like to start with a little bit of a story because like many of your listeners, I'm sure I am a woman in recovery and that journey has been a long and winding one for me. It was when I had a couple years in addiction recovery that I realized how intertwined and strongly connected my addiction recovery and my mental health recovery was. And I learned yeah. that the hard way, which, oh goodness, you know, addiction recovery. But unfortunately, I think unfortunately a lot of us have to learn it the hard way. Right, right. And it took it took some struggle and it took some, some pain, but I was able to move through some experiences in my early recovery that helped me recognize, you know what, I really need to handle or focus on my mental health healing. And for me, that's trauma healing and building resilience if I wanted to thrive in my addiction recovery and really my life. 
And so when I had a couple years sober, I actually, I decided to go back to, to school. So I was studying to be a social worker and help other folks in addiction recovery and, you know, seeking recovery. And I started to have things like panic attacks again and depression, you know, anxiety through the roof. I started getting triggered by my experiences of being in a room full of men. You know, I, I started struggling more with disordered eating and was in a very unhealthy, abusive, emotionally abusive relationship. So I had all of this mess and muck happening in recovery. And I learned, you know, it's so much more recovery and healing is so much more than just putting the substances down. So from that experience, while I was in graduate school and really coming to understand how much what was happening in my life was really untreated trauma symptoms, you know, a huge reason of why I started using drugs and alcohol to begin with. When I learned that and started kind of learning more tools, practical tools to be able to help my mental health and trauma resilience, I want to tell you, like my life and my world changed. My healing really transformed. And I feel like I was able to come to kind of this next level in recovery. And so that's one of the reasons I started my platform, Bright Story Shine, which is an online storytelling platform and resource hub that focuses on trauma resilience and stories of recovery and resilience, because I learned how important talking about those interconnected issues are, especially for women. Yeah. And I'm always fascinated how we as human beings can have this trauma in our life. And at the same time, it's manifesting itself in all these crazy ways, panic attacks and all this stuff. And yet we're still in a way disconnected from it. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like we have to discover that and then get the help for it to transform it. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I was just talking with a friend in recovery the other day. And, you know, they were talking about the same issue and they have a lot of uh, friends in early recovery too. And they're saying, you know, we want more, we want more for our addiction recovery. We want more than just sitting in a circle, self-identifying as X, Y, or Z and talking about the substance of our choice. Like we want to learn how do we maintain our equilibrium in our bodies and not kind of crawl out of our right. skin and have kind of spiral into panic attack mode when the world is falling apart, you know, as it kind of seems like yeah. it some days, you know, how, how do we really learn how to live in a healed way? And I think we're ready. You know, I think we're ready as a recovery community to start talking more about these issues because so many of us, myself included, have struggled over the last couple of years and really needed to kind of level up, you know, as they say, my our recoveries. Yeah. And I think that we have we've learned so much in the last, you know, decade, two decades about the role of trauma in all of this. And I think for a long time it just wasn't known. So Yes, people stopped maybe their addictive substances or behaviors or whatever, but then they're left with like what you said, panic attacks, depression, anxiety, trauma symptoms, and we're getting there and there is this help now. Mm-hmm. And I think I think we are in an encouraging place because yes, there's been so much research, the whole trauma-informed movement, which really helped, you know, behavioral health practitioners, all of us really understand the importance of understanding 
components of what happens when someone experiences trauma. So we can go into kind of the helping setting, having those things in mind. But I think we're moving through that onto the resilience-centered piece too. So we can understand that we need to be informed about trauma and have certain responses to everyone, assuming we've all been through something. And at the same time, we can start learning and I think talking about practical tools to be able to help support resilience. So let's talk about exactly what does resilience mean? Because Mm -hmm. that word gets thrown out a lot. Mm -hmm. So when we say resilience, what are we talking about? Well, you know, I love, so this is just a, a quick, quick little line. I love the idea when I think about the word resilience, that we can choose healing. We can make a decision that, hey, we are going to turn another way, go another, you know, take another path, go another route. And for me, the concept of resilience and building that is a lot about, I don't want to say self-empowerment, but really agency, because I think that especially as a trauma survivor and sexual violence survivor, what was taken from me really early on was the sense of agency or that I have control over my body, my mind, my environment, all of these things. So when we can understand that, we can choose healing. You know, I can choose a, a safe coping mechanism. And I'll give you an example. So when the pandemic started, I kind of spiraled, you know, I was spiraling. I'm a a mom of two young kids. I had a lot of fear and anxiety popping up. I started having panic attacks and I really, I came to understand, you know, right now I really have two choices. You know, I'm clear headed enough to understand. I have two choices. I can continue on this road of maybe looking at some unhealthy coping mechanisms. And I've certainly had a lot of experience in the past with choosing unhealthy things to cope with my stress and struggle, or I could take some healthy action. And so positive coping skills. And I love, so there's this evidence-based treatment model called seeking safety. You might be familiar with it. One of the things that they talk about in promoting is safe coping skills to help promote resilience. And that can look like, you know, mindfulness, breathing exercises, movement, sleep, and diet, you know, just some of these almost common sense things, but really ways that we can choose to take care of ourselves. And so my definition of resilience, it's all about that choosing healing piece. The American Psychological Association, I can actually read a quote for you here quick, defines it this way, that resilience is the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress. That process of adapting. How do we adapt? How do we choose? Where, what direction are we going to go when we're faced with those things that, let's just face it, we all encounter trouble in the world? Yeah. And I would say once we are trauma informed, our trauma starts to make sense when we view it through this lens of safety. And we start to be able to see our reactions, our panic attacks, our defensiveness, or whatever it is, whatever we're running to cope to make sense through this lens of trauma. Mm -hmm. And even just having that knowledge of how the body responds to trauma starts to give you what I I love what you said, agency, a choice to do something different that actually promotes your life in a way that works. Mm -hmm. 
No, absolutely. And with the work that you do, I mean, we understand that addiction impacts our brains, our minds in certain ways. And there's so much research out there that shows that, right? Addiction is not a moral failing or a, a weakness per se, or, you know, all of these things, but our brains, there's, there's something going on chemically here. And the same is true for trauma, right? So in trauma impacted mind, things happen. And, you know, for me, I mean, I, I lived with undiagnosed post-traumatic stress disorder for over 20 years. I wasn't diagnosed yeah. until I was in my thirties, right around this time I told you about in graduate school, when I finally saw a therapist and she said, you have post-traumatic stress disorder. And all of a sudden, this light bulb moment and everything seemed to make sense in retrospect. All of these things that I had thought I'm crazy and something's wrong with me. And of course, I'm only choosing these types of relationships because I'm, you know, something's wrong with me and all of these things. And what I learned was, no, a lot of what's going on is physiological. When I hear a loud car door slam or, you know, a loud engine and I startle or I'm triggered by a smell or a sound and all of a sudden I'm disassociating, all of those things are trauma symptoms. And when I understand that, I can finally then make decisions around, okay, I'm going to see a mental health therapist and I'm going to ask for help to walk me through. How can I heal this? What do I need to do? It's a really freeing, freeing thing. Yeah, absolutely. And your statement around like, you know, it was you're walking around with this for 20 years. I think we understand now there used to be a saying, you know, time heals all wounds. And we understand now that with trauma, that's not necessarily true. Trauma can live in the body for our whole life if we don't resolve it. The nervous system gets stuck there and we get so used to it that we just function with it. I don't know if functioning is... I guess we're functioning, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes it's pretty destructive. But like you said, we get stuck there until we have this moment or get that help and understand it. And, and all the pieces start to fall into place. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And I've seen this happen with so many women that I've worked with and just, you know, friends and family in the recovery community and men, all folks. I've seen this happen that when we start talking about these issues too, something healing happens. And I just learned recently that there's actually research that shows storytelling or telling our recovery and mental health stories actually promotes healing in the brain. And I was like, wow, you know, the human body yeah. and mind is just so incredible, but we're given these, I want to say gifts really ways that we can help promote healing. And so, you know, again, around that same time, when I was back in graduate school, I started hanging out with other women and, and guys and other folks who had been through similar things. And we started talking about it. And so, yes, you know, I'm sure so many of your listeners have had that experience to something incredible. I would dare say miraculous happens when we can sit around in a room or, you know, wherever and open our hearts and say, you know what, this is my experience. And we can also agree and nod our heads and say, you know what, me too. And I think that's why the Me Too movement yeah. was so popular and is so connecting across the globe is that, yeah, when we can just say, hey, I've been there, it opens us up to let go of, for me, it was a lot of resentment and anger and feeling like I was wronged and I had lived this horrible life, which there were some measure pieces of justification, I think, in some of that, but I held onto that so tightly that I was so different because I had experienced these things. But when I learned that, you know what, 
I'm not so different. Over 80% of, right. of women in addiction recovery, and I would argue that number's a lot higher, have experienced some type of trauma, most often sexual violence. I'm a part of a community that has gone through this, and together we can heal. Yeah, we bring those stories out into the open, and we can be witnessed. Our pain can be witnessed, and we can also witness other people's pain as well. And they're absolutely right. There is something in that in that process that allows us to move forward and shift that story. Mm-hmm. I, I love what you said there, shift the story. And as long as we have today, this moment, we have the ability to shift our stories. And that is such a freeing thought, such a beautiful thought. And In addiction recovery, this kind of next level recovery, you know, if we embrace our trauma resilience, heal and trauma healing and embrace building resilience, we can really move forward into new levels of freedom. And I want to tell you, you know, I moved from, I smoked cigarettes for, I don't, I'm not even going to admit how many years, I think as a way to cope with some of my PTSD, you know, disordered eating, unhealthy, unhealthy relationships. I'll give you the list. I'm sure your listeners can relate to most, if not all of them, but I moved through this really dark place, even in recovery to now free of cigarettes. I exercise daily. I'm now married and we have a very healthy relationship. You know, I have two beautiful children. I, all of these things. And you know, it's not always easy. Certainly there are hard times and yes, I still have symptoms that I work through sometimes, but I know now that I have the tools that I need to be able to live in this world in a way that is as healthy as I can for not only myself, but for my children and my family and my community. Right. And that goes back to that agency and having the ability to make that strategic choice in your life once you're not just automatically responding to these trauma PTSD triggers that are just kind of flying off and the body's like, you need to get safe. You need to get safe. And you make some quick rash decision to get safe, which sometimes isn't very strategic to your life. Right. I agree. And I think so many times too, those of us either seeking addiction recovery in early recovery, or even later on, we might not recognize that some of our unhealthy patterns in recovery are really closely linked with some of the trauma that we experienced early on in our life. And, you know, I talked a little bit earlier about safe coping skills. I actually have a really cool resource on my website under the free gift and tools tab, but there is an amazing list from Seeking Safety on I want to, it's like seven pages long. I mean, there's so many, you know, there's like a safe coping skill for every day of the week, every hour of the day. There are so many ways, things that we can do to choose healing in our lives. And once those start adding up and we start building some of those new pathways in our mind, in our brain, then all of a sudden, you know what? We're not all of a sudden slowly over time, when those stressors come, our bodies, our minds aren't going to go to those really heightened, dysregulated places. What's going to happen is I'm going to have a cue to, oh, well, I'm feeling anxiety because my kids come home coughing and, you know, there's still pandemic stuff or whatever's happening. But my, my body, my brain doesn't have to go up to those dysregulated places. I can say, no, you know, what I've learned is helpful is if I can sit my body down in a chair do a grounding exercises, which I, oh, I believe in grounding so much. I don't know if you've had an episode on, on that, but that's such a healthy coping skill and tool, a mindfulness activity. And I can just take some deep breaths and 
take that control over my body and choose to do something that can help me be able to confront whatever stressor is going on. Yeah, absolutely. Because these are skills that you can build. I, I believe resiliency is something that you can create. Some people are just very resilient. Maybe they had the space in their life that they're that way. But this is something that you can you can create. Like you're saying, you can get the tools to do it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, I can't remember the source right now. I'd be happy to follow up with you. But, but there's actually been research done around what characteristics resilient people have. And I love those. Can I give you that list real quick? Because I just find this so interesting. Yeah, I love it. I would love it. So a couple characteristics of resilient people. I love this one, a strong sense of humor. Now, I was just joking with my husband the other night and we laugh about, I mean, almost everything, even after we fight, it sometimes takes some time, but we ended up, we end up kind of laughing at ourselves about that. But I strongly believe a sense of humor is so, so important. And research actually shows that that will help you build resilience. So, you know, we're not talking about these like pie in the sky, whatever ideas, like this is really down to earth, really practical ways to help us get through the tough times. Another one that I love is a strong social support network. And I think this speaks so, so much to the recovery community how we recover and we recover with others. And so when we have a strong social support network, we're able to weather the storm together. And there's there's a couple more of those, but anyways, I just wanted to share a little bit about that too, because I just find that so interesting. I think those are awesome. Just those two are awesome because once again, it goes back to the thing. Those are things that you can create and work on. You can work on finding humor in even difficult or dark situations And you can build a support network. And there's so many support networks out there now, Mm -hmm. especially with the age of the internet, that you can reach out for all sorts of issues where people can understand exactly your story and and can understand the struggle with that story. And it's there and it's it's stuff you can build. Mm -hmm. And it is phenomenal this day and age, how things have changed and opened up in terms of building more of a global community. And, you know, as much as I have a love-hate relationship with social media, what I can say is that I've met so many amazing people through hashtags, hashtag women in recovery, hashtag women supporting women. I mean, there's so many of us out there telling our recovery stories, talking about these issues. And it, it is pretty amazing right now that, you know what, If you need help for any of this addiction, mental health, trauma recovery, there are so many resources out there just at our fingertips, on our cell phones that we can access support. And I just wanted to say quickly too, in terms of community, that's actually one of the things I've had the privilege of doing is building a global women's recovery community around International Women's Day. And so if you go to my website, Bright Story Shine, We actually are having the first ever Women's Global Recovery Roundtable event next Tuesday, March 8th on International Women's Day. Hopefully this will be a yearly event on International Women's Day. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so, so excited. It will be translated in three languages, English, Spanish, and Portuguese this year, because we have a lot of attendees come in from Latin America and Brazil. Having the opportunity to have Women come around a virtual table and talk about issues that are important to us, resilience, 
addiction recovery, community building, kind of all of these things a lot of us are engaged in. I'm so excited. And I hope that your listeners will take a minute to check out our incredible lineup of speakers. We have Dr. Tiffany Tajiri. She is a phenomenal powerhouse author. If she hasn't been on your uh, podcast yet, you should check out my website. And okay, her. I will check that She's out. Phenomenal. I will definitely check that out. Uh, so many women. So anyways, I'm I'm really excited about it. But there's so many opportunities for this global connection right now virtually that it's it's really, really exciting. Yeah, that is so exciting. And, you know, I'm just thinking of your whole story that you were talking about and your own transformation to be able to, to move through this and actually show that you can thrive from trauma and you can move through it. And even if you feel that trauma is entrenched in you, there's skills to get out of it. And then do what you're doing, which is to give back to others, to give that gift to other people who feel lost in their trauma and their addiction, and that there's a way out. Mm, There is indeed a way out. And another one of those characteristics of resilient people here on my list is having personal goals and a sense of purpose. And let me tell you, when I've been able to move through my own mess and muck and all of that, even sometimes today on on a daily basis, depending on the day, when I can move through that to a place of healing, I'm then opened up to be able to support others and to have this sense of purpose. You know, my pain in my past has a purpose. I can talk about it. I can share about it. I can build community around it. I can help other women not feel so alone. And anyone can do that. You know, you don't need a college degree. You don't need to have gone back to school. You can do that from, you know, in your pajamas with your cell phone. I mean, you can be a part of having this purpose and having your past and your your trauma transformed. And yes, that is, I'm so passionate about that. And, and that in and of itself, my purpose helps promote my own resilience. So it's just, it's just a beautiful cycle. And I just hope more men, women, all folks are able to get to that place as well. And I just love talking about it. So again, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you today. I love your show and I love what you're doing. I have one more question for you. And then, and then. Oh, absolutely. So usually I like to ask at the end of the podcast, someone out there listening, they're, they're struggling. I love to ask the one question, like if you could say one thing to anybody out there, what would be the one thing you'd want to say? Mm, That's a beautiful question. Well, I'll say what an addiction treatment counselor told me when I was in treatment, when I was 16 years old, he looked at me into my eyes and he told me that your life has value and purpose. And I wasn't ready to hear that yet, but somehow that sentence got lodged somewhere in my heart and spoke to me for years and years after that. And that still comes to mind. And that is my personal mission statement that I want to speak into the lives of other people that all of our lives, your life has purpose and value. And I truly hope and pray that the person listening that needs to hear that today can truly feel that in their heart. Oh, I, I, I definitely feel your passion for that. So thank you so much for coming on to the Addicted Mind podcast. Where where can people find you if they want to get a hold of you? Where do they go? You can go to my blog platform, brightstoryshine.com. That's brightstoryshine.com. Or you can check out my personal page at carolinebibler.com. Great. And I will put all those in the show notes as well at theathicthemind.com. Thank you, Caroline, for coming on and sharing your wisdom. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. As usual, all the show notes will be at theaddictedmind.com, so you can check them out there. And if you've enjoyed this episode today, please click the subscribe button or write a review in iTunes or even share it with a friend. I really do appreciate that. It helps people find the podcast. And don't forget, join our Facebook group. Go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast and click join and continue the conversation online. All right, everyone, have a wonderful day and I will talk to you on the next episode. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.